Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guest today is the queen of rock and roll. What else can you say? Like a cherry bomb, she exploded onto the music scene in the mid-70s as a member of the pioneering all-women L.A. punk rock group, The Runaways, before blazing a new trail with her own outfit, The Blackhearts. But her bid to start over wasn't easy. 23 record labels passed on her future classic, Bad Reputation. So she and producer Kenny Laguna released the record themselves, selling it from the back of Kenny's car. Since then, she's topped the charts, founded a record label, and inspired countless women and men to pick up a guitar. Now she's reflecting on her legacy on her new album, Change Up. True to its title, the album's a radical departure finding the amped-up icon revisiting 25 career-spanning cuts with an acoustic guitar. Though initially hesitant to trade her trademark electric axe for an acoustic six-string, she's glad she did. The new versions of songs like Victim of Circumstance, Soulmates to Strangers, I Love Playing with Fire, and even Cherry Bomb reveal fresh nuances you may have missed in the original. The pairing is unexpected, but once you hear it, you'll wonder why she didn't try it years ago. Even without an amp, she still rocks. It's my honor to welcome Joan Jett. I love the new record. You just released Change Up, uh, a new record of which you revisit and reimagine 25 of your songs in an acoustic style. Uh, just before the pandemic, you completed a documentary on your life, Bad Reputation. Did that put you in a reflective mood? What made you decide to take a look back and revisit these songs in such a unique way? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. That's perfect introduction to to how this how this happened when um 
right before the ba- pandemic, like you said, we put out a documentary uh, called Bad Reputation. It was actually the brainchild of my niece, Carrie Ann Brinkman, who runs Blackheart, really runs our company now, who was a three-month-old kid when I, when I met her. She's <laughs> actually my niece. And um, when we did the documentary and we were doing the, the uh, premieres in Los Angeles, they wanted, wanted us to play a couple of songs for, for the audience, you know, as a band. But we couldn't really um, set up as an electric unit there because it wasn't just wasn't you know a movie a movie theater wasn't really set up for that and we wanted to play songs for, for the audience so um carrie kind of suggested let's do a few acoustic you know but we'll do the whole band not just like me and, and the guitar player but the bass player and the drummer so it was we were all there and we did a few songs including bad reputation and recorded it for posterity you know but it, it came off really well. And I think, you know, we didn't know what to expect before we did it. And when we did it, it felt great and didn't seem to lose anything. You know, if anything, it's kind of just, I don't know, just it was was very interesting to, to us. You know, it was fun. We, we enjoyed it. So, you know, we did that. Then the pandemic happens and, you know, which was, I guess, a very introspective and quiet and uh, oh my God, are we ever going to work again kind of time. Um, so I think the whole mood, uh, I don't know that it contributed necessarily, but it certainly didn't, didn't deter it, you know? And, um, last year, um, 21 and this year, 22 is the 40th anniversary of both Bad Reputation album and I Love Rock and Roll album. So uh, we wanted to sort of find a way to to give the fans some, you know, maybe extra tracks to listen listen to something different to hear. So to mark the, the you know the forty years and sort of look back on some of the songs. And we knew that that acoustic thing had just worked, and we thought we'd do a few more. Um, we went to the studio, and um, as we started playing a bunch of the songs. We just kind of kept going and did pretty much everything we could do live that we know. Um, and that became change up. You know, we started saying this feels like an album and feels like a good way also to mark the 40 years by looking at a lot of the songs that, um, that we've done that people might not know even exist. You know, so this was a great way to sort and, and a lot of the lyrics actually still are very relevant to the time. So that was really interesting as well to kind of see that and that the, the, the lyrics are still relevant and to, um, you know, it's kind of, I, I believe it's more, it feels more intimate to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everything's stripped away. You know, it's like you're really naked there when you're playing the acoustic stuff, at least the way we recorded it, you know, there's not a lot of effects or things like that. So any mistake is is heard and and you know i think that's kind of cool we, you know you don't want to sound like you can't play but you also don't want it to be so pristine i think that you that it loses its human feel oh absolutely it feels really uh you know like hopefully like you're in the room 
And um, we want to be able to do some of this live as well. So um, we'll see. We're going to we're going to be doing that um, this weekend. We have a couple of gigs. We're going to be doing a little bit of both. So oh, intimate is the perfect word. I love how your voice is front and center. I mean, I feel like well, by stripping back all the instrumentation to these songs, did that allow you to find something new in them? Was did anything surprise you? I think, oh, my God, this whole different song was in the song I've been playing for so many years. Totally, totally. I mean, it's sort of because I wanted the vocal energy to sort of match the musical energy that I had to pull back in some ways, you know, and, and find different ways to sing some of the songs. Um, you know, I didn't want to sing them as hard or maybe as high as the electric versions called for. Um, you know what I mean? So like one that's particularly stuck out to me is Victim of Circumstance. <sighs> I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean the whole melody is um I guess it's a I guess it's a harmony to the to the main melody. I don't really know cuz I haven't gone through it like that, but um that just kind of popped out. I didn't know it was going to happen cuz you know, we're just sitting down to play and I wasn't even cuz we weren't there yet, you know, knowing that this is going to be an album. You know, we were just cutting some tracks to see what worked and what we could give to the fans. So you know, my 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 um, feeling for wanting to do this increased as we played this and as we found these little nuggets. It was like, wow, this is really, you know, this is going to be fun. Um, but it was hard, too. It was definitely hard because we wanted to get it right. Um, but songs like that, Victim just popped out, you know, and that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you just have to really work for it. But that melody just kind of flew out of my mouth. And so, you know, that one to me is the most obvious. Oh, I, I love how just the way that they're, they're reimagined. I mean, songs like Cherry Bomb that I've heard, you know, for so many years and loved for so many years. For me, it's like a whole new song. It's got this whole new, almost like film noir, spooky vibe to it, which is so cool. I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what I hear. I hear it too. And it's like, wow, you know, it's a whole new thing for me. And it, it feels great. The feel is different and, but it's, you know, it's kind of mysterious and like just what you said, it was a great description, but um, yeah. So those little things are it, it really fun to find in these songs. And really they all feel like that to me. You know, some, I think, um, more than others sound, you know, a little bit different. You know, some of them you'll notice more than others, I guess, is what I mean. And there, I mean, there are 25 tracks on this album, and then there are the ones that you might expect, Bad Reputation, Cherry Bomb, Crimson and Clover. But then you have deeper cuts like Coney Island, Whitefish, which, you know, maybe may something that's a little less expected. What was the process like of choosing all these different songs throughout Change Up? Well, uh, we, like I said, we did, we looked pretty much through most every album, but really focusing on um, some of the earlier ones and just what we could, what we have done live in the past and what we could, what we could do live because we want to be able to do it live as well. We don't want to just put out a record that we can't perform live. So Coney Allen Whitefish is just straight up, you know, three chord progression and it's fun. I think everybody knows one, you know, and it's 
I think it, it can be fun. It's a fun song to sing. And it's also, you know, probably a little edgy for some people, but it's it's fun. It's fun to do. And it's, you know, it's on, it's on primetime television, for Christ's sake, so... <laughs> You, you you touched on this a little bit earlier, but has the meaning of any of these songs changed for you since you, you first made them? Do the words, the son of them, hit you in a different way now than they did maybe when you first wrote them? Well, I think, yeah, yeah. Things like um, just wanting to have the, the lyrics reflect where I am as a person and, you know, that I'm an older person now and I'm not 18 and I'm not, um, you know, in that, in that headspace. So any words that I ran, I can't really think off the top of my head. I know there are a few in cherry bomb and you know, where I just had to, to make the lyrics match me now, you know, I had to change maybe some tenses or various things that just made it feel right to me, you know, that I wasn't, you know, singing lyrics like I'm going out to the club tonight. You've you've talked in the past about sort of the two elements or motivators of songwriting. One is a connection with other people, and then the second one as a as a release, a more of a catharsis for yourself. I was wondering, does does one side win out over the other for you? Is it more about connection for you or more about getting these feelings out of you when you write a song? Wow, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I think it's probably equal, equal parts. Um, yeah, I think the connection is big. You know, you have to find a, because opining about something in a void by by yourself, I mean, you know, who can relate to that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, I mean, it's kind of like, what you, what's the point? I'm going to go just sit in the room and s- Prove on what I'm doing, you know, for myself, for my own sake, you know. So it's gotta, I think, for it to to mean something, it's gotta to mean something to your own self. You've got to be able to connect something else beside yourself, if that makes sense. Oh, it, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how it can mean anything if it only means something to you. I mean, I suppose you can, but. Uh, I think that's not a way to, to um, you know, mo- for the most part, it would be about connection and not just in isolation. How's the last two years been for you? I know for a lot of artists, it's been tough to connect given, you know, the, uh, the lockdown. Obviously, virtual concerts and things have been nice, but how uh, how's the adjustment been the last couple of years for you? It's, it's been, it's weird, you know, it was very weird. Uh, certainly the first year, um, just not knowing what, you know, the serious unknowns uh, of it all. And, and I know we're still in that uh, to, a, to a degree, not knowing what, when, well, we know if, you know, it's probably going to come back, but, um, you know, to what degree and all that. And last year we did get out for uh, a month and a half, I think, and did concerts and it was really great to be out and and see people and see them enjoying themselves and um you know so i'm looking forward to it and i 
just hope that it, you know, all goes well. And um, I, I think it, I think it will. But you know, it's we'll, we'll see how everybody. It's, I mean, people seem to be going to sporting events and all sorts of other kinds of events that require you know closeness. So. We'll see, and but I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it, and we're going to be doing different size venues as well because we're going to be doing some of our own shows in some smaller buildings, and then the stadium tour is going to be those huge stadiums, and so uh-huh. it's going to be fun to to try this and maybe some of these acoustic songs that way as well. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that's going to be so cool to to hear you do those acoustic versions live. Would you ever consider doing uh, another album of, of acoustic tracks, of, of maybe new original songs? Is that something that, that you'd be interested in doing? I don't know. I don't know, honestly, if I could get my, you know, if I could work myself up for that, you know? I mean, possibly, but I mean, never say never, but I I I think, you know, I'm electric. I'm an electric guitar person at heart, and I think that's where I'd I'd want to go and want to stay. But I really enjoy visiting this. You know, doing this acoustic stuff has been really interesting, and I'm and we're gonna think it's gonna be a lot of fun because we're like I said, it's kind of an unknown. You know, I haven't really done this before, and I haven't played a, a, an acoustic guitar in my whole life, and it's a whole different. It's a different thing than playing electric. You know. And so I think that there's, it's, it's just going to be fun because I'm sure there's going to be mistakes and goofs and it's, but I want to have a, a great attitude about it. And, and the audience is in on it. You know, they're seeing this process too, uh, including the changeover from electric to acoustic and explaining to them what we're going to do. I want people to see that because so much, you know, for for no reason is like you know you only see the show you you know <laughs> only you don't want to see any sort of blemishes and you know this you want to sh- we want to sh- we want to sh- show it all and I think it'll be fun and it involves involves the audience more and then they feel part of it connected it's that yeah that word again. I wanted to ask you more about what your relationship is like to the acoustic guitar now, because you've said in the past that you were, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost resistant to it because of of teachers when you first were learning that were trying to kind of push you more in that direction, which seems crazy to me that people would try to do that to you. But I guess that was what people thought. Um, but you know, how, how do you feel about, about the acoustic guitar now? You sort of uh, made friends with it in a way? Totally. I think I have because I, I think I was very resistant. It was that, but it was all, it was much more mental than it was a dislike for an acoustic guitar. You know what I mean? It was because I was being told, this is what, you know, girls play acoustic guitar. And, you know, just sort of, even if it wasn't said out loud, it was the, it, impl- it was implied a lot. And, um, so therefore, I really kept it at arm distance. It was like out of sight, out of mind, and you know. So I didn't own one. I didn't and any of that. So yeah, definitely making friends with it. Uh, 
they say that when you first are starting out on an instrument, you're 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 trying to be someone else before you develop your own style. You know, you're always you're sort of imitating while you're still learning who you are, what what your own sound is. Was that the case for you? Were there people that you looked towards to try to try to emulate? Like I know you've talked about uh, Paul Kosoff from Free and All Right Now. I mean, were there some guitar heroes for you when you first picked up the instrument? Well, yeah. Well, it was that particular song uh, that because it was a little out of out of tune. Well, just one pass was slightly out of tune, or at least it sounded like it to me. And for some reason, I liked that. But I'd say T-Rex, Mark Bowen. Your version of Jeepster. Oh, my gosh. Your version of Jeepster for the Rock Hall was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Thank you very much. Yeah, but Mark Bowen would have been uh, the one that I was trying to emulate, one that I listened to when I started to play guitar. And I could kind of play, you know, bang a gong that, you know, those easy seemed easy for easier for me to do the, those octaves stuff. So and I, I had a crush on him and I learned how to scream. That's what his screams were the ones that I would emulate because, you know, people ask, you know, who, who are you trying to copy when you scream? And that's that would be who I was trying to copy. This is a, I, I know you've just released an acoustic album, but I have a very specific question about an electric guitar that I just thought of. You're, you're Melody Maker, you're Gibson. I read that you got that from Eric Carmen, and that same guitar that you used on the first two solo records or Blackheart's records was the same one that he used on the Raspberries. Is that, is that true? That's, that's true. And cool. you know what? It was rumored because we both used from the Runaways days. We both had the same road crew because the Raspberries were an Ohio band and we uh, picked up some road crew guys that we hired um, that were in the Ohio, um, what, what was called? Oh, the Agora Ballrooms. There was like a, a bunch of ballrooms in the Ohio area that was, I guess, a circuit. And anyway, we had the same guitar roadies and... I was looking for an electric guitar because I had only had a Les Paul and it was very heavy. Yeah, so, but I loved it. I didn't want to get rid of it. I just needed something else to switch off to so I could, you know, have another guitar. So I was able to buy this guitar somehow, you know, my crew guy knew this guy in a band who was trying to get rid of a guitar. And it turns out it was Eric Carmen's um, from him, you know, from him. He wanted to sell it. He was focusing on keyboards. So he sold the guitar and that's the guitar that played on Please Go All the Way. And I guess a couple of others right around that time. And but also played on my first two albums. So All Bad Reputation, All of I Love Rock and Roll, probably then a couple of the next albums, too. Until I finally just took it off the road because I was afraid. It would get broken or stolen or something. But wow. yeah, isn't that amazing? That's so and, a lot and of then history. We finally in confirmed it for a couple, a few years ago for sure that it was definitely the case. Because he had heard that I heard my guitar got sold to Joan Jack. And um, and I had heard that, you know, I heard that I bought Eric Carmen's guitar, but it was finally confirmed that yes, it was the guitar that he played on and I played on. So, yeah, that's pretty, I like that lineage. 
That is so amazing. A lot, a lot of history. I just, I was just visiting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, about two weeks ago, and I saw your jacket from the cover of uh, of I Love Rock and Roll. I mean, it's just, it's so cool. Jacket, yeah. Watching the Bad Reputation documentary, I mean, the theme really just seemed to be endurance. I mean, you went from from selling records out of the back of, of Kenny's car to, to being the head and founder of a label. I mean, do those rejections, you know, being rejected by 23 different labels, does that still fuel your fire? Do you still feel you work better when there's something to sort of push up against or push back against an adversary? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, but that's just sort of a built-in thing in 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 life, you know. And it's not just rock and roll or music with that, you know, sort of glass ceiling. Girls can only go this far. You know, it's really every every career path. You know, I speak to women all the time, and they're like, they can totally relate to all the things that I discuss that happen, you know, in the music business or show business and so it's it's sort of sort of a universal struggle. I don't want to say fight, but you know, it's something that you you have to always work for. You've blazed a trail for just so many. I mean, are, are there people out there now who you really feel are are carrying the torch now? I mean, you've worked with Miley Cyrus, El King. I mean, so many great folks who are out there that you feel are really uh, carrying the torch and paying it forward. For rock and roll, you know, I I don't get out to see enough bands that I, you know I should I should really I I I'm not exposed to a lot of rock and roll stuff. I'm not seeing that so much, you know. Um, I know it's out there though because every place I go, there there are girl rock and roll bands. In fact, um, one of the bands on our label, Faya, uh, they're they were an all-girl band. They were girl in a coma, and now they're called Faya. And they're from San Antonio. They're on the, on the road constantly, make great records. Also, um, our lighting designer has a band called Jackknife Stiletto, and she is putting out records um, and touring and doing work when she's not working with us. So... Those are ones that I'm close to and know about. And, you know, so, but I know they're in every city. And I'm talking about, you know, sweaty rock and roll <laughs> um, stuff. And so I'd like to see more of that get um, sort of more eyeballs wherever, wherever it is, whether it's, you know, traditional press or uh, uh, online, you know, because it's... Um, to me, it's rock and roll is a very valid musical expression and still out there. And uh, so, I don't know, you have to still fight for it. Right on. I got a bunch of friends out here in Brooklyn that are, are playing DIY venues above a pickle factory, you know, out in, uh, in Bushwick. So, yeah, still trying to make music when they can. Uh, I guess my, my, my last question for you, I mean, it, it, you've been an inspiration to so many. 
Is there a tribute that's meant the most to you, either an actual award or props from a fellow artist, or even just something that a fan said to you, you know, after a show in the, you know, behind the theater or something? Is there something that you really, when you're having a bad day, you can think of that moment and think, you know what, that really just sort of turns your day around? Um, no, I don't think, I don't think really that I would look to, you know, awards or anything like that to, for, to feel better or to feel validated because I never did it for those reasons, you know, Mm. I I did it for the, that word, that connection again. I couldn't pick just one. There have been tons of fans that have said such moving things to me. I mean, really, it really shows you, I mean, if you strip away the you part of it, you know, nothing to do with me, just that music is so healing and so is medicine, you know, and gets people through really tough stuff. And you're like amazed that that it's you, that, that someone chose to heal them or whatever the music does for them. And it's, it's really very humbling to me at its root. It's very, that's very humbling. And really, um, you know, musicians that tell me that they are inspired by me, it's just, I'm, I get amazed, you know, whether it's somebody that's known or, or not known, it's, it's a reciprocal thing. You know, it's like, I am inspired by them as well, you know, and so, but it's not, I couldn't pick one person for one situation. And, um, well, my friend Kenny, you know, he validates me. The fact that he believed in me when he did and nobody else did and nobody would give me a shot and that he, you know, put it all on the line. He put his, um, you know, baby infants, uh, college child fund into into me you know it's like um so you know i knew he was all in and that's um can be a little scary too because it's like Mm. wow you're like wow i i better (laughs) i better be good (laughs) i better get out there and work you know but um so that but that's the beginning of it so i mean i would have to say kenny um kenny's belief in me post runaways would be probably that's the starting point, you know, for just knowing even what that feels like to have someone believe in me and, and fight for me and get pissed off, you know, like, like I would get pissed off, um, for, you know, saying, you know, some stupid girl remark or something. And that to see that fire in him and him, him realizing that, you know, no, your friends weren't going to help you. Nobody was going to give you a break. Now you're feeling what I'm feeling, what it feels like to be a girl or a woman in music and to have that, you know, that hand in your face. And, you know, I think Kenny might have been used to it to a degree in his own career because, you know, everything doesn't always go great, you know. So he he had had a couple of downs, but he had quite a lot of ups. So, um, you know, I trusted him that he knew what he was doing and he paid attention when, you know, he's in bands and to what's going on. And uh, so, you know, I felt very comforted by that, you know, that he was all in and, you know, he was a musician and 
played with me. And I feel funny talking about you when you're right there, but <laughs> um, it's true. I'm not, and I'm not saying it because he's sitting there <laughs> either. We should all be so lucky to have a friend like that and someone to believe in us like that. It's a beautiful answer. Thank you for that. It's true. You know, oh. I mean, I, I don't know what would be going on if uh, we hadn't met, you know, for real. Ah. Joan Jett, you are an inspiration. You're a hero. Thank you so much for your time today. And most importantly, thank you for your music. It's been such an honor speaking to you. Thank you. Jordan, thank you so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.